Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, and uh, welcome to this sixth lesson on tradition versus truth. My name is Scott Phillips, and I pastor Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church here in the Jackson metro area. And today I would like to deal with the question, is once saved, always saved, biblical? Question mark. And let me just say it succinctly, no. Once saved, always saved is not a biblical doctrine. One must only do a cursory study of the scripture beginning in the book of Genesis. You will find two of God's children created in innocence there in paradise, the Garden of Eden. And the Lord gave them everything a person could desire and he gave them one direction, one thing not to do. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They had access to the Lord with no limitation. They had a perfect life. However, there came a day, I don't know how many days it was, but at some point, the serpent uh, slithered his way into the Garden of Eden, actually subtly walked into the Garden of Eden, and uh, posed the question and made the, the false impression that God would not judge them. They would surely not die, and they were missing out on the knowledge that that fruit would give them. And so when she looked at the tree and saw that it was good for food, it would uh, make one wise. It was uh, beautiful to look at. Uh, she and Adam took of the fruit, and they did the one thing God told them not to do. They didn't rob a bank. They didn't murder anybody. They did not uh, steal anything. They didn't lie. They didn't cheat. What did they do? They disobeyed God. And that disobedience broke the relationship and God kicked them out of the garden. And since then, the curse of death has reigned in the, the, the offspring of Adam and Eve. God cursed Adam and Eve. And this principle that we have the ability to break communion and fellowship with God, no matter how good we've had it, we can exercise our free will to walk in fellowship or to break fellowship through doubtful disobedience and not believing what God said will happen to us. The scripture states in the book of Galatians, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall 
he also reap. Once saved, always saved will be a reality one day. And that day will be when eternity begins. When we have crossed over the Jordan River and we have began to walk on streets of gold, it is at that point there will no longer be the, the threat of, of the consequence of disobedience. We will have persevered. We will have overcome. And God will reward each and every one of them that repented and overcame whatever their issues were And we, you and I, I pray, will be able to live in eternal blessing with Jesus Christ and all his angels. In in the, the scripture, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21, Jesus said, telling the parable, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So there is a reality that if you are going to be approved by God, you must do well and be faithful serving Jesus. If you don't do well, if you're not faithful, God's not going to lie and declare you faithful and doing well. Uh, Jesus told a parable in the book of Luke, chapter 13, verse 7 through 9. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit of this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it to the ground? And he, the, the, the servant, said unto the Lord, Let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well... And if not, then after that, thou shalt cut it down. Fruitfulness is the proof that we are being faithful and connected to Jesus Christ. One of the great fallacies of Christianity are these doctrines that would lead someone to believe that once you have had a relationship, had an experience, had an encounter had a commitment to God, at that point, you no longer have to worry about the wages of sin and the effects of our doubt and our disobedience. But I would suggest to you these are doctrines of men, potentially even doctrines from below, and they lead people to live unfruitful and disobedient lives. You know, there is no difference between the theology of Jesus and the theology of Paul. What we have is many people today, they pick and choose through a few statements of Jesus and a few statements of Paul, and they string these together and say, these are true, while ignoring a vast number of more scriptures that declare to us we must walk in a humble honest, and uh, repentant life before the Lord, seeking His will and doing everything we can to keep our human nature in check. And when our human nature wins, we one more time repent again. I think it's very important for us to recognize that true faith 
when it grows up, it is called faithfulness. Everything we do in the kingdom of God begins at the point of faith. It is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can say that without faith, it is impossible to believe God, to please God. However, faith is more than just simply uh, happy thoughts toward Jesus Christ. Faith must follow in faith. Faith will move you in a direction. Faith will propel you down the narrow path of God's word and God's will and God's directives for your life. And we are saved by grace through faith. Faith is going to take us through some things. Jesus made the statement that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. And when, when Jesus said that, his disciples said, oh, then who can be saved? So the way Jesus said it, what he was telling them, it caused even his most committed to say, Lord, how can we be saved? And, and, and the Lord Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so it is important for us to recognize that the only way that I can be saved is through faith. But faith is more than simply a mental assent or a verbal profession. Faith is all-encompassing of everything that I or you may do. In Hebrews chapter 11, if you really are interested in this subject, some of you are probably aren't going to watch this because this is offensive and it's different than what Uncle Bob or Pastor Bill told you. But, but if you'll open up your Bible and read Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11 tells us, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So, so faith is the context where we gain understanding. And in that chapter, you read about how Abel offered an acceptable sacrifice. You will read how Noah moved with fear to the saving of his house and built the ark. You'll read about Moses when he was come to years. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer with the people of God. It goes all the way through, and it doesn't just talk about the faith. It doesn't just say Noah believed, or Abel believed, or Abraham believed. It, it No doubt they had faith, but it wasn't just they had a mental idea or a, a verbal profession, but their faith defined and motivated them what they did. So what they did was faith manifested. So what does faith look like in our life? For, for Abel, faith looked like an acceptable sacrifice. For Noah, what faith looked like was a, a, an ark built out of gopher wood. For Moses, what faith looked like was he left the Pharaoh's house and he came back and led the people of God out of Egypt. And the thing is, our faith has a visible presentation. Though we believe in something we can't see, 
Everybody else can see what we believe by what we do. And so I want to encourage you, challenge you today, that faith, faith is the beginning, but faith is not the ending. I, I was talking to a young, young man. He was uh, going to uh, uh, one of the area colleges and taking a Christian course. And he told me that he was writing a paper on once saved, always saved, or being saved by faith alone. That that was the that was the that was the the point, but it was all encompassing that if you believe that's that's it, faith alone. It's a very common religious mantra. And I made a comment to him. We're talking he was washing windows at the church that I pastored, so he's sticking his uh his little uh, uh, sponge-like uh, bar and put it in the water and he stuck it up on the window and he pulled it down. The water's coming down the window and he pulls out the squeegee and squeegees it off. And, and I'm standing there talking to him and I said, uh, you know what? I'm willing to bet you money. There's not one scripture where the word faith and alone are in the same scripture. And he looked at me kind of odd and said, what do you mean? I was like, you won't find faith the word faith and alone, the word, in one scripture. And uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, hmm. I said, well, wait a minute. Let me look at my phone. And so I pulled out my phone and uh, I, I, I put uh, in the, uh, I, I, I put it in the search engine uh, on my Bible app and I typed in uh, right here, faith. F-A-I-T-H space alone. And I hit search. And I was wrong. There is one scripture where the word faith and alone is found. But I was <laughs> I was pleasantly relieved and surprised and blessed that I was wrong. Because the one scripture that tells us that these two words are found together. In James chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. And so the one scripture that you have those two words in are telling you, you are not saved by faith alone, but there is a marriage of faith that is producing obedience. It is impossible to, to divorce faith and obedience. Faith is obedience. <laughs> it, faith that never produces obedience is not faith. The distinction of faith, if it's true faith, it will obey. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not, they never get baptized, so they're damned. So faith produces obedience. You can no more separate faith and obedience from one another than you can pregnancy and childbirth. If pregnancy never produces a child, something sad has happened, and there is a dead baby involved. And that is true for faith. Faith must obey. And I would say to you, it takes more than believing one time 
to produce the eternal effect of salvation. Faith is a daily thing. The Bible says in uh, he- Hebrews, Hebrews chapter, uh, no, it's it's Romans. In Romans chapter eight, says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Comma, there's an exception. There can be condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus if you if you don't do what comes next. For those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're not going to experience condemnation. And I would say to you, if you're walking after the flesh, you will experience condemnation. And it is that pursuit of fleshly pursuits, carnal uh, uh, imaginations, uh, uh, fleshly things that are sinful and against God, when we engage our lives, that our life is not one of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, but it's rather uh, meat and drink and entertainment, that's not the kingdom of God. And the Lord tells us through Paul that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Sinful things that are done by an individual over and over and over again. There comes a point that your sin becomes your identity. You're not just uh, someone that was a drunkard. You are a drunk. You are consuming constantly alcohol or or drugs, or you're constantly lying or, or involved in sexual immorality to the point that your sin is your identity. And when sin is your identity they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I've heard people say, well, you know, if you're really saved, you won't do that. But the challenge is everyone that has ever experienced the saving grace of Jesus deals with a regular uh, struggle, tension, uh, combat of the flesh and the spirit. Read Romans 7. Romans 7 lays out that there is a a law, a war, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And the only way you ever get out of this mortal struggle between the flesh and the spirit is you've got to engage in that struggle and get to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is the solution to the bankruptcy of flesh in Romans chapter 7. So we must understand God has an answer. Romans 7 must not be our ever forever reality. We must let the word, the spirit, and the work of God move us out of living in Romans 7 and bring us into Romans 8. And there's a lot of people that have believed a lie they, they believe it with all their heart because they've been told because you profess faith 50 years ago in Jesus Christ, you may have consumed a tractor trailer full of alcohol and you may have told a library full of lies and you may have slept with, with a, a beach full of women and you may have done all these things, but because you profess faith at seven, and you've done all these things to 57 and you die, somebody will get up and put you in heaven. But God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. And so so the fallacy of 
of once saved, always saved. The scripture from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. If you open up your Bible and you read the first three chapters, Jesus himself is speaking to the church of seven churches in particular. And Jesus himself warns them, I know your works. And he tells them, "You, if you don't repent, I will blot your name out of the book of life. If you don't repent, I will remove your candlestick out of its place. If you don't repent, I myself will become an enemy and the sword of my mouth will fight against you. If you don't repent, I will spew you out of my mouth. And, and, and with, within that, we know Jesus himself warned them, though we are not saved by works, we will be judged by our works, and our works can undo what Jesus has done because we, we don't on a daily basis pursue and allow the work of grace and faith to work every day. It's available to us. It's available to us. In Romans chapter 11 and verse 19, Paul says of, of the Jews that were broken off, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. But, but be not high-minded, but fear, for if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. So, so I, I want you to understand, I have had great faith in the past. but and, and I feel a lot of faith right now. But there's been seasons in my time between faith and faith that I have dealt with doubt, disobedience, unbelief. And if the Lord Jesus Christ would have came during one of those dark seasons of my life, I would have died lost. The Bible says, As a tree falleth there, it shall lie. And where you are when Jesus comes for you, whether it's in the rapture or on a head-on head wreck on the highway, at that, that terminal point, there's no more opportunity. And if I would have died unrepentant, died in my sins, I would have been lost for eternity. And so I want to challenge and provoke you. You may believe that it doesn't matter what you do because you repented a long time ago. Hear this as a warning. Repent. Repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked way. Uh, 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 flee uh, uh, the carnality and the, the sin and the, 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 uh, the imaginations and all the things that are, have taken you off the path toward righteousness and run to the mercy seat of God. And Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for believing a lie. Help me to know the truth, to walk in the truth, to pray that, that, that I may uh, live a life that's not just saves myself, but help me to save my house. Help me to bring my children and my neighbors and my friends into the understanding that we got to save ourselves from this untoward generation. No doubt Jesus died to save you from your sin, but you have got to save yourself. Jesus did everything he could do, 
But we must, on a daily basis, pursue Jesus. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, if you're going to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And so I just, I'm sorry to tell you this bad news, but you may have been lied to if you have believed that because you were saved once, you're always saved. That's not what the the counsel of the Word of God teaches. You can take a few scriptures and you can string together a logical case, but the biblical record is clear. Adam and Eve lost out of their access to paradise, and they died as a consequence of the curse. And every one of their children to this generation, if Jesus doesn't come, we're going to die. Why? Because of the curse. And so we're in the struggle of flesh and spirit, and it is up to us to persevere, to to, uh, keep our hearts and minds uh, uh, purified in Jesus Christ. The problem, many people learn scripture from individuals who have been indoctrinated in the surmising of what someone else said about the scripture. I found a Bible here the other day and I read the text and then I read under the text that the text didn't didn't mean what the text said. And a lot of people, you can have a study Bible and the the, the study Bible down in the notes will tell you that what the Bible just said isn't true. (laughs) And, And we have that kind of doubt being disseminated in the hearts of sincere people. You, you have you have seminaries teaching that what the Bible says isn't actually what the Bible says. They, they will change the, the words, they change the meanings, and, and, and a lot of people that claim to be believers are actually doubters in what the Bible actually states. Uh, the scripture says... Uh, In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 13, Jesus says, But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. I don't know how many times I have attended funerals uh, because of someone connected to the church that I pastored or someone that I knew. And and I knew this person. And the preacher get up there and preach them into heaven. And and I, I, I... and I know that the reason why that would happen is because this preacher believes that because someone believed in Jesus at seven, that even though they that they deserted their wife and and beat their kids and and lied on their taxes and and did all manner of evil things, that that because they had some history, that they, they, they would pull that event and make that the big celebration. When in reality, the scripture doesn't give us that kind of comfort when someone has sold their life out to themselves and to sin. It's very important for us to understand that that if we are going to be saved, it's more than just a single momentary event. But saved, it happens in a moment and saved happens in a life. I save myself every day. How much heartache do I save myself when I start out my day with prayer? How much trouble do I save myself because I repent of the wrongs that I have done and I ask the Lord, help me not to do that again. I save myself by, by pursuing God and trying to do what's right and turning the other cheek and praying for my enemy and forgiving those that do me wrong. 
and, and, and striving to live according to the principles of Jesus Christ. I'm saving myself, not through my own works, but by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, by my faith in Jesus Christ, I am I'm attaching myself, I'm clinging to the work of Christ by demonstrating my sincere uh, love for him. If Jesus was willing to shed his blood for me, even die for me, is it a high cost? Is it a work for me to live for him? I think it's very important for us to understand that we do, in fact, have a heavy responsibility to pursue the Lord in our life. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 7, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Paul is writing to the church, the church of Rome, to whom will render every man according to his deed, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor, immortality and eternal life. We must understand that once saved, always saved will not be true. We will not be eternally secure in our salvation until we walk through those pearly gates and we see Jesus Christ face to face. Then <laughs> there'll be no more night, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more darkness, and there will be no more temptation to disobey God. All of those former things will be passed away, but now we must strive. Paul said it this way, that I, I beat... I beat my body, I keep my body under subjection, lest, to, lest when I have preached to others, I myself become a castaway. Paul, the, the, the author of the book of Romans, whereby many of the doctrines that we talk about come from, Paul said of himself, he could be a castaway, even though he was arguably the most effective, powerful apostle in the early church. And so here's my challenge to you. Uh, we are not going to be persuaded by simply uh, uh, a person making an argument or a case or using a few scriptures. It's the Holy Spirit that makes it real to us. And if you sincerely want to be saved, I would say, ask Jesus, Lord God, I want to know what's true. Help me to understand the nature of salvation. Is it once saved, always saved? Or is it once saved, staying saved till we are saved? We must live a life that demonstrates, that reflects our salvation. That we honor the sacrifice of Jesus Christ by the life we live, by the words we say, by the deeds we do, by the places we go, by the clothes we wear, by the music we listen to, by the things we consume, by the places we go. We must reflect as a witness to the world that we are different. We've been saved by grace through faith. <laughs> and because of that, I don't live like I used to live. I don't do what I used to do. I am a changed person, not simply by a prayer of profession, 
but I've been born again of the water and of the Spirit. I have repented of my sins. I've been baptized in Jesus' name, and I have been filled with the precious Holy Ghost, and by the Spirit, God is going to help me to display the fruit of the Spirit, and by the Spirit of God, His gifts of ministry and edification are going to flow through my life because I am living a saved life. Sadly, you couldn't tell the difference between a devil worshiper and some people that call themselves Christians. They often listen to the same music. They, they say the same cuss words. They drink the same liquids. And they, they watch the same entertainment. You can't hardly tell the difference between a devil worshiper and a Christian because some Christians believe it doesn't matter what you do as long as you believe at some point in the past in Jesus Christ. And sadly, those Christians and devil worshipers more than likely will, will join one another in the same place. Mm, that's sad. Read Revelations chapter 1 through 3. If you really believe in once saved, always saved, read and meditate what Jesus warned the church, the churches, and thereby extension the believers in the first church. And if they could have their name blotted out, their candle removed, even Jesus Christ spewing them out of their mouth and becoming their enemy, it's true for you and me and the churches today. We must be sure that we make our calling and election sure because we have a great promise, but those that have the promise of, of holy, wonderful things to come will purify themselves from all unrighteousness. I pray this blesses you. I hope it's provoked you and caused you to want to pray about where you are in your walk with God and maybe get you to begin to live a life that is more reflective and more in giving God glory that did so much to save your soul. I invite you to join us uh, on Sundays at 10 uh, for Sunday School 1045 for worship and Wednesday nights at 7.30 at Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe the Word of God is true. We believe that our highest definition of the people of God is that we would love one another, that we would love the lost and love the saint and love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. We must be defined by the love we have for our God and for the love we have for others. God bless you. Have a Holy Ghost wonderful day in Jesus' name. Have a blessed day. Visit our website. Visit our website at newbirth.com. <laughs> New birth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Visit our website at new Wow, what is the deal? Visit our website at springridgechurch.com. Find us on Facebook at Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church 
send me an email, pastor at springridgechurch.com. God bless you.